everyone. Today we're going to read from Psalms 42. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me, long, long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to participate in a vigil of love and solidarity for Black Lives Lost due to racial injustice. It was organized by a newly formed group called AAPI Christians for Black Lives, which is a collaboration between various Asian American Pacific Islander pastors and Christian leaders in greater Los Angeles and Orange County. And it was a wonderful opportunity for us to come together and to mourn the lives lost over the past several years, after the past many years, uh, of our fellow black brothers and sisters. I have a few pictures I want to show you from yesterday. Here we go. This is some of the crowd. Um, that's me holding up a sign, trying to find out where to put it. Yeah, and the people that brought their own signs was uh, really encouraging to see. And these are some of the presenters. The presenters, they spoke with a lot of passion and heart. Uh, you could tell that they were really, really passionate about this. Some of the local church leaders and Christian leaders in the community came and spoke and shared. And there's this one part where uh, a sister and I, oh, I love this kid's sign. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, where uh, our sister and I, she uh, and I shared some names of the precious lives lost due to racial injustice. And we invited people to take a knee. And I just expected maybe some of them to do it, but everyone ended up doing it. And it was really, really cool. So for most of my life, I did not fully understand the struggle that most black Americans were going through. Um, I think it was mostly because I did not have the ability to truly empathize with their experience, with their struggle. But I think it goes deeper than that. I don't think I even really tried to understand 
what it's like to be black in America. Mostly because I did not think it affected me. And it was really this disconnect that I had with black Americans that um, was really ignorant uh, on my part. And I didn't realize that the struggle of black Americans was really my struggle. And really the only reason why my parents were able to immigrate here uh, in the 80s was because of the civil rights movement from the 60s. And so black Americans have really paved the way for the rest of people of color, people like myself. And so what the vigil was about yesterday, uh, going back to this vigil for AAPI, Christians for Black Lives, it was really an opportunity for uh, pastors and Christian leaders uh, from LA and Orange County uh, to come together with our fellow black brothers and sisters in Christ and really lament together. You know, the vigil yesterday was called a vigil of love and solidarity, okay? Um, but it wasn't as if we were uh, like happy or celebrating or we were like, um, it, it wasn't like a party or anything like that, right? But it definitely was about love, okay? And love uh, has to have lament sometimes. Now the word lament is not a word that we use often in today's American language, right? Um, the dictionary defines lament as to feel or express sorrow, grief, or regret. To feel or express sorrow, grief, or regret. Or another definition is to mourn deeply. To mourn deeply. For many people, we do not know how to lament well, okay? Um, but lament is actually very necessary in any loving relationship. Lament is a good and necessary emotion of love. Lament is a good and necessary emotion of love. If you love someone deeply, if you love them deeply, then eventually you will lament with them or for them. That is just natural. Which is why today uh, we're reading from the book of Psalms. Now Psalms is a collection of songs, prayers, and liturgies that are written to be read corporately or privately for the people of Israel, for the Israelites. Now it was written by various authors, but most of them have been written by music directors or leaders of the Israelites, people like King David. King David is probably the most famous uh, psalmist uh, in the book of Psalms, but the Psalms were written by various authors. Now, Psalms were kind of a, a, a liturgy, uh, or, or like a, a lot of them were to be read or sung together with a group of people. Now, there's a lot of psalms, okay? There's uh, 150 psalms, and about 60% of these psalms are celebration, victory, or praises. And the other 40% are kind of dark. Um, there are about 40% of the psalms are about pain, suffering, or lament. In many liturgies of the church today, okay? Uh, many church denominations, um, church networks, uh, in about 85% of these liturgies 
are about celebration, victories, or praises, while only 15%, one five, are about lament. And taking it a step further, in most of the songs that are sung in churches across America, okay, like many of the songs that we sing here online and uh, in many other churches in America, about 90 to 95% of them are songs of celebration, victory, or praise, while only 5 to 10% of them are songs of lament. And trust me when I say this is a very generous statistic towards uh, about songs of lament. All right, and so when uh, the worship leaders and the worship team, uh, props to the worship team, uh, we actually had a few people in the background, even though you couldn't see them on video, okay, they were definitely playing, all right? But when uh, the worship leaders and the worship team and I were thinking of songs of lament that we could do, there's really not that many <laughs> that we could choose from these days. And part of it is because in our Western culture, we are kind of brainwashed with a certain kind of sickness or um, I would even call an idolatry. And the idolatry is this purpose or goal in life of happiness. Many Americans, maybe even most Americans, think that the goal, the ultimate purpose of life is to simply be happy. This is what we are spoon-fed in movies and television these days. This is what we're taught on social media, right? And this is what we're taught in, in books and uh, in, in a lot of other uh, entertainment that we consume these days. But this goal of living a life of happiness, if you really, really think about it, okay, um, if you really break it down, it's rather uh, shallow, self-centered, and ultimately unfulfilling. If the goal of your life is simply to be happy, then naturally you would at all costs avoid anything that makes you unhappy right anything that is sad anything that gives you grief if you simply want to be happy all the time uh, and you'll just naturally want to block out anything that is quote-unquote not happy okay and this is applicable in your relationships or in your jobs in your family conflicts um, in tragic life events uh, wh what have you right if something unhappy happens, as they inevitably will, we're very quick to hurry through it if the goal of life is to simply be happy. And it's almost like, um, uh, it's almost like a drug, right? Because we're, uh, once one thing makes us happy, well, we move on to the next thing, right? And then that'll make us happy, but that'll last uh, a very short while, and then we move on to the next thing, right? And so this constant cycle of wanting to be happy is really, really, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but um, it's really, really tiring. It, it's exhausting. And that's because part of it is because that's not the way that we are created. Okay, that's not the way that humans are supposed to function. And a big part of our humanity is to lament. We're supposed to grieve, we're supposed to mourn uh, 
for those we love. Many people these days, um, understandably, are having a very, very hard time right now during this global pandemic because um, they don't know how to grieve well. Uh, they don't know how to lament well. So instead of actually grieving and lamenting uh, for a little while, many people often um, distract themselves with all different forms of entertainment. Many people just want to hurry up and get their life back to normal, right? And so uh, what they end up doing is uh, having a lot of, um, like some people are having like parties. Some churches are just blatantly ignoring the advice of medical professionals and just having church gatherings indoors without masks, which is crazy to me. I don't, I don't, I really don't get that. Okay. Um, or some people go drinking at local bars as if it was like, you know, there's no global pandemic. And this is simply because they want to be happy because the goal of their life is to be happy and nothing, not even a global pandemic will stop them from their desire to be happy. A life of happiness has become the biggest idol in America, in my opinion. Okay, a life of happiness has become the biggest idol in America and it has caused far more damage than good. Yet it is perpetually taught in everything that we consume. And what the Psalm that we read today is reminding us and what God is reminding us, especially during this time of global pandemic, is to not run away from our pain. We need to feel our pain. We need to grieve. We need to mourn. And we also need to express it. Okay, We need to unload our pain. This is how God made us. And this is what it means to be human beings. To be present. Human beings are made, were created to be present. And in many ways, like lament is absolutely necessary for our Christian faith. Okay, if you consider yourself to be a person of God, a follower of Christ, lament is ab absolutely necessary. Okay, because one of the key things that's absolutely necessary in our faith is repentance repentance now can you go through repentance without lamenting i don't think so okay i don't think that's really possible but somehow uh, many christians think they can bypass lamenting uh, and just go straight to the change okay but lament is necessary for true repentance Lament is necessary for true repentance. In verse um, 1 and 2 of today's passage, uh, it says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? You see, the ultimate desire for this psalmist is to be united with God. But prior to this, he needs to repent, lament, and grieve. And this is really what the bulk of Psalm 42 is, is him 
grieving and lamenting. If you try to go through repentance without lamenting, without grieving what you have done, okay, um, it's, it's only up in here, right? True change cannot happen without lament. Deep spiritual transformation has to start with lament and grief and acknowledgement of wrong. Change without lament is only going to be temporary, superficial, or performative, really, if you think about it. Behavioral modification, it can happen without lament, but that's not true spiritual transformation that God desires. That is not true repentance. I'll give you a perfect example of this, okay? Uh, I have two kids, right? And, you know, they're home all the time now. Uh, my daughter is nine and my son is four. And for the most part, uh, they get along pretty well. You know, um, my daughter is actually a really great older sister. But like any two kids, uh, if you put any two kids in the same room together for long enough, they're going to fight, right? And, um, you know, maybe my four-year-old son will like throw something at my nine-year-old daughter and it'll hit her and she's like crying and she's angry. And, uh, you know, one of us, my wife or I, will have to go into the room and we're like, what happened? What happened? What you do? And, um, you know, they explain to us what happened. And we'll tell my son, who threw the toy, we'll tell him, say sorry. And then he'll go, okay, sorry. Now, you know immediately, right? Uh, you don't even have to be a parent to know that, like, that really doesn't mean anything, right? Um, and so, uh, <laughs> as, you know, as a parent, we have to say things like, oh, no, say it like you mean it, <laughs> right? Uh, which ultimately means, right, like, no, you have to feel it, right? You have to feel your apology. You can't just, like, just say it off the top of your head and think it it counts, right? You have to say it like you mean it, meaning like your feelings matter. And I didn't really hear this a lot growing up in church, okay? Because I think so much of our Western American Christianity uh, kind of ignores the heart, right? But our feelings matter. Our feelings matter to God. If you are just giving God lip service, but your heart is not genuinely grieving or uh, your, your heart is not genuinely sorry for a wrong that you've done and you're just asking for forgiveness just out of like routine, like that's almost insulting to God. That's almost offensive to God. Repentance, uh, asking for forgiveness, it's, it's central to the Christian faith. Unfortunately, in America, the church has dwindled down, maybe, I would even say maybe dumbed down um, forgiveness or repentance to simply belief and knowledge. If you believe and know that you're a sinner and ask God for forgiveness, just say the words, then that's enough. But is it enough? Can you truly not feel sorry for something? and just say you're sorry and have that be considered genuine repentance? 
personally, I, I love the fact that repentance is so central to the Christian faith <clears throat> because uh, it acknowledges that we're all going to make mistakes, right? It's not a matter of getting it perfect, but it's a matter of making progress um, and becoming more and more like Jesus over time, right? And so that space, um, that acknowledgement of, of predicting that we're going to make mistakes is already there, right? And so it's not a way for us to, for God to uh, come down hard on you, like, uh, you know, to, to uh, strike you down uh, every time you make a mistake. No, it, it's, it's a way that God is giving us grace beforehand by inviting us to repentance. And when he is inviting us to repentance, he's really inviting all of us to repentance, not just um, in, in, in a head knowledge way, right? It's with the head and the heart because lament is necessary for true repentance. <clears throat> the other big benefit of lamenting well, of good lament, is that um, when you express your lament, you, you just feel lighter, right? You're not carrying this load with you, right? You're not carrying this burden with you as much. Lament unexpressed is uh, lament carried. Lament unexpressed is lament carried. How many of you have done this? Um, when someone you love, uh, when someone you care about, maybe a family member or friend, is going through a really, really difficult time, you're quick to say to them, it's going to be okay. Why do we do this? Why do we want others to just rush through the pain? Uh, if someone is going through a terrible loss or pain, people around them are so quick to be positive about it, right? They're, they will always want to see the silver lining of something or look at the bright side. Um, but really, uh, it's okay to sit in another person's pain. It's okay to sit in your own pain. It's actually probably the most comforting thing that you can do. I remember when I was um, a, a hospice chaplain for... Uh, six months just for like half a year um, in the beginning when I was like inexperienced and new to it like I would always try to be like positive and upbeat about it and it would really like piss off a lot of the clients right and you know there a, a lot of these people most of them are in their deathbeds they're constantly in pain right and so for me to come in you know this like a 30-something year old, I was 30-something at the time, this 30-something year old coming in and saying like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a hospice, right? Uh, that means they're probably going to die soon. So I can't go in there telling them like, oh, you'll be okay. They won't be okay, right? And so oftentimes, uh, what I would do when I would visit some of the patients, like, Oftentimes for hours, I would just sit with them while they're grieving, while they're mourning, while they're like crying out in pain. I would just sit with them. 
and oftentimes I would not really do much except just sit with them and like pray for them if they want me to pray out loud I'll pray out loud if if they don't want me to pray out loud I'll just pray quietly you know to myself but they always feel comforted right they they always feel comforted um, after me just spending time with them um, I remember this other time um, that uh, and this was um, not not that long ago it was during quarantine because uh, that's when my son was <clears throat> learning how to ride a bike and so this was a couple months ago when he was first learning how to ride a bike and he was going down um, the sidewalk okay and he was going really fast because he wasn't quite used to his brakes yet okay and, and again he's four which is pretty early right for learning how to ride a bike and he was going really fast and then on the sidewalk there was a big bump and then he hit it and then he crashed really hard but uh, and obviously he started like crying right away he was really scared right he was crying really loud but when he fell it, he fell in front of uh, one of our neighbors houses and I didn't know them um, but the the neighbors uh, they were there was three of them talking together right in their front yard and so they saw the whole thing happen and one of the older ladies just immediately like started clapping when he fell and she's like, yay, good job. Get up, tough guy. You're all right. Yay, yay. And <laughs> that really upset me. That really upset And I know that she meant well, okay? I know that she, you know, didn't mean anything bad by it. But, like, you know, I, I, it's almost patronizing, you know, to, like, he felt really, really hard, right? And so I was going over there and, I, you know, I, I helped him up. And um, I pretty much went like this to her, <laughs> telling her to shut up, okay? Um, and I was like focusing on him and then I, I was, um, you know, her doing that definitely didn't make him feel better. If anything, it probably made him feel worse, right? Like probably embarrassed him a little bit. But, uh, you know, I just like s sat there with him and I asked like what happened and he told me that he fell and then I said, where does it hurt? It hurts on my leg and uh, it hurts on my elbow and um, we just spent like a few minutes just like processing it and and then after a few minutes he, he you know he felt better because he expressed his pain right and he was lamenting out loud what was wrong and this is the beautiful thing about lament is that once we actually like say it uh, it, it comforts us it comforts us lament allows us to be comforted lament allows us to be comforted in verse 5 of today's passage it says why are you downcast O my soul why so disturbed within me put your hope in God for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God there's something that happens when we express our laments out loud, uh, when we express our laments to God, but also to our family and friends, when we do it to people whom we love and trust. Many times we think like, oh, I, I, don't, I could just uh, hold on to it, right? But if we hold on to our lament um, and we don't express it in healthy ways, it will eventually come out in unhealthy ways, 
it will come out in depression. It will come out in uh, irritability, in anger, in maybe um, isolation, or all, all sorts of unhealthy ways, be it conscious or subconscious. Some people uh, avoid this spiritual practice of lament because they think um, it'll make them sad. <laughs> but actually, the opposite is true, right? The more, the, if you lament in healthy ways, like I said, if you express your lament to your family and friends whom you love and trust and you know love and trust you, uh, it, it, it actually is very comforting, okay? L lament allows us to be comforted. When I was a teenager, this was something um, that I really did not know how to do very well. Even when I was um, in college, I probably really started lamenting uh, as a spiritual practice when I was in graduate school, when I was in seminary, when I was actually like learning about it in my Old Testament class, which is kind of silly, right? But um, and, and part of it is because like uh, I used to get really, really depressed. I used to struggle a lot with depression uh, throughout my childhood, teenage years, and even as a young adult. And so I used to think that um, if I express my laments, if I mourn, if I grieve out loud, then it's just going to make me more depressed. But the opposite was true, right? Because I didn't lament well or I didn't know how to do it I didn't know how to grieve I didn't know how to express my sadness and my frustrations and my anger it all kind of like built up inside of me and you know naturally it would like lead to depression and but it, it I think it's also more than that right because lamenting is um, acknowledging a pain that you're experiencing right now Whereas depression is being hopeless about the future, right? So lamenting is really being present, right? When we're lamenting what's happening in the world right now, that's actually very healthy, right? When we're lamenting the fact that there's this global pandemic going on, when we're lamenting the fact that millions of Americans are losing their jobs, when we're lamenting that like, Black Americans, even after like all these centuries, still do not have justice in this world and they're still held down by systemic racism. All of those things are worth acknowledging and lamenting because it's focusing on right now. If we were to be depressed about it, uh, we would be hopeless, okay? And so depression is really focusing on a dismal and hopeless future which was really where my headspace used to be when I was a teenager and when I was a young adult. But lamenting is really being present and acknowledging uh, this broken world that we live in right now. Um, I'll close with this. Um, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I had the opportunity to be on a Zoom call with uh, Father Greg Boyle. Uh, he founded Homeboy Industries which is a bakery and cafe near downtown Los Angeles that hires former gang members. Um, Homeboy Industries and also Home Girl Cafe provides an 18-month job training that incorporates Christian faith and Franciscan practices because he's a Father Greg Boyle is a Franciscan monk. 
Um, he acknowledges that uh, every homeboy or homegirl that enters their program is deeply wounded. And what these young people end up doing with their pain uh, on the streets is self-medicating, um, punishing others, or punishing themselves. And sadly, those things will usually end up uh, put them in prison. And what he realized when he um, decided to start uh, Homeboy Industries is that our culture imprisons those who are wounded. Our culture uh, doesn't heal them. They lock them up, those who are wounded in our society. Um, and in the beginning of Homeboy Industries, he shared about it was all about job training, right? Um, and they would say things like, um, jobs, not jails, or um, give them bills, not bullets, right? And they used to say kind of catchy, uh, pithy, things like that. Um, and they still do that stuff, all right? But it was about 15 years ago. Uh, they really focused heavily on healing, on spiritual healing, on emotional healing. And that was when uh, he thinks Homeboy Industries really took off, all right? And that's really what made them stand out. Uh, out of these other like um, nonprofit community service uh, organizations because they really focused on spiritual healing and and he told us the story about this um, young boy okay uh, and um, he, he had lots of stories okay but I'll share with you this one story and uh, when he was a uh, his name is Jose when Jose came to homeboy industries when he was um, really young um, he noticed that he was he would always wear three t-shirts, right? And everywhere he went, he would always wear three t-shirts. And that was like his thing. And uh, um, whenever he would go to school and he's wearing three t-shirts, even if it's like 100 degrees like it is this weekend, that's why I'm inside, okay? That's why I'm in our library, uh, in our office. Um, uh, he would always wear, Jose would always wear three t-shirts. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, one day when, you know, Father Greg Boyle, like, uh, was close enough to him and uh, felt comfortable enough to, like, ask him some more personal questions, he asked him, like, hey, Jose, why do you always wear three t-shirts, man? And um, Jose, you know, kind of, he looked down, right, at the floor, and um, he noticed, like, Father Greg Boyle, like, noticed that uh, he was struggling, right? And uh, after, uh, you know, a, a few seconds of silence, like, Jose finally said, uh, my mom, like, beats me almost every day. Um, she beats me up so bad that, like, uh, my, my back and my body always has blood on it. And so I wear the first shirt to kind of soak up the blood. And then um, I wear a second shirt, um, and but still some blood is, like coming through it and then I wear the third shirt and by then like there's no blood on my third shirt um, fast forward uh, this kid Jose uh, remains in the program and he's doing really really well right and um, uh, he was and now by this time he was like a young adult and uh, he was talking to Father Greg Boyle and uh, he says like Father Greg do you remember how I told you I used to wear like three t-shirts and uh, Father Greg Boyle's like, yeah, of course I remember. And he says, yeah, you know, those wounds, those scars that I have, um, 
I used to be so embarrassed of those scars. Now I love them. I love these wounds. And it's because of these wounds that I can understand someone else's pain. It's because of my scars that I would never judge someone else for their scars. I think part of the reason why we, as a people of God, why we go through pain is so that we can connect with someone else's pain. I love what verse 8 says in today's passage. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. I wanted to give us an opportunity to lament right now. Um, we're going to do that by watching this music video by a pop, pop star turned gospel singer, Tori Kelly. Um, she actually has a song that's based on Psalm 42, and the song is called Psalm 42. Um, and the way that she sings it is actually, it sounds like a lament, right? Um, it sounds like a cry, and it's so beautiful the way that she sings this song. And so we'll close it with this song, and I encourage you to practice this uh, spiritual practice of lament whenever your soul is stirred. Um, don't ignore it, feel it, name it, and express it. Because lamenting is necessary for repentance. Lament unexpressed is lament carried. And lament allows us to be comforted. Amen. <laughs>